Comedian Katie Boyle has been winning fans over one laugh at a time. She's amassed a massive Instagram following and has branched out into the podcast arena. We talked to her about her rise through the comedy circuits, as well as her upcoming show in New Jersey at the Count Basie Theater for the first annual Irish American Film Fla. Welcome, Katie. Well, welcome to another edition of Taste, and I am so excited that we have Irish comedian Katie Boyle on our podcast for this week. Katie and I are going to take part in the first, hopefully, annual Irish American Film Fla, which is going on in the Count Basie Theater in Red Bank, New Jersey. We're bringing in the Dublin International Comedy Film Festival, bringing it to the U.S. shores, and we're going to have a mixture of live comedy via Ms. Boyle, as well as these films that I think are super funny, short films, and it should be a blast. So Katie, welcome to Taste. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Great. I'm super excited to be working with you on this because this is, uh, I think, very groundbreaking for the U.S. audiences, especially for the Count Basie Theater. It's their first time doing it. And I'm just super excited that they took the risk. They've been some great people. So uh, I've been following you for a while. And I think the first time we might have met one another was the, I believe it was the Kansas City Irish Festival, right? Oh, yeah, and probably. Yeah, that makes sense. You were in you were in that uh, that lineup. And I've just watched you really go from just a few Instagram followers to now you have tens of thousands of followers and you've got your own podcast as well, which is called The Shift. And it's about Irish American and Irish American relationships, which has been just uh, so much fun to just watch you blossom like that. It's been great. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about where you started as a comedian. When did you first, was there somebody that you thought, okay, I want to be just like them? Or was it one of those things where you were at a school play and all of a sudden said, somebody said you're funny and something stuck. So what was that seed that had you start down the comedy path? Um, it wasn't anything like that. I just was, I came over to, um, to do art. So I was an artist in Ireland. Um, and I got an internship in a big museum here, a big contemporary art museum. And I hated it. It was just horrible. Um, and I, there was a comedy club across the street. So I would just go over and watch the shows. And then, um, they had a show where an audience member could tell a joke and that was it. I did that. And then the next day I was doing open mics and then a month later, I was running a show, so it wasn't like something I wanted to do from a kid. I don't have like an encyclopedia knowledge of stand-up comedians, like other comedians who've wanted to do it since they could talk. It, you know, it definitely wouldn't be one of those things where in Ireland you say something funny and people are like, oh, you're funny because everybody's funny. So it's not really something unique, right. <laughs> <laughs> not until you come over here. So when you when you wrote back or you called mm. back home and you're like, yeah, I don't think I want to be an artist anymore. I want to be a comedian. That must have been a, a bit of a, a loop for your for your parents, or did they just kind of take it in stride? Yeah, I'm sure for my dad, he was probably like, because art is already so, you know, oh, not the normal thing to do or whatever, you know, not the mm. job that p parents are like, oh, she's gonna be set up for life. <laughs> <laughs> And then comedy too, yeah. But I, I, he, he's pretty. He was just like, are you sure you don't want to like manage a bar? Because I've always worked in bars. Um, but uh, but now he's really supportive, and he was he was never not supportive. I think he was just probably like, okay, well, let's see. But um, 
he's never really had any say in stuff anyway because I kind of just do I'll ask for advice but I do what I want anyway so and that's kind of the way my dad is he's like well if you really want to do it and you're going to work hard at it then he has he's not like going to tell me what to do if that makes sense so um but yeah now he sees that it's definitely paying off so he's very supportive now but uh, I'm sure at the start he was probably like you're in a basement telling jokes what (laughs) so so there's a long intro to this question here but it's coming I promise I just finished reading a book called uh, The Creative Act, A Way of Being by Rick Rubin. And he's the record producer that did Red Hot Chili Peppers and Mick Jagger and and everything else like that. And it was just such a fascinating book because it talked about whether you're an artist, whether you're a writer, it's all art, right? So when you say, okay, I started out as an artist and now you're a comedian, that is your art, right? And do you kind of feel that way in that you know things that you might have done in your in your artistic life that people would know as an artist how how does that or does that spill into how you position yourself online maybe or how do you bring your your comedy and with that connection to art does that make sense yeah I think um you know words have different meanings for different people even though we all know they're defined by the same thing if that makes sense so like when I say art when I went to art college there wasn't classes for stand-up you know stand-up would be more considered entertainment but obviously to a lot of people it is their art because they're like creating and making jokes and seeing if they work so it's not far from performance art but uh you know it, it has to be funny which I think most performance art is probably not funny to a certain extent so I'm sure some of it is but that's not the goal it's more about putting across a message um so uh so I guess yeah it really depends like it's all it's all the same in a certain way but then it's different as well in in different ways because even different forms of art like people who do art where they're trying to like talk about climate change and then someone who's sitting down just painting a picture of a boat that's a very different art as well yes yeah. so but yeah like it's creative you have to you have to think of things you have to write them um you have to see if they're actually funny uh, you have to have no ego about it when it's not funny and then just make it funny or ditch it. But yeah, so I guess in that way, it's like very creative. I think also it's the artist's job to observe, right? And um, that's definitely part of what Rick Rubin said in his book. And I've kind of noticed that in the clips, the video clips that you've put online, there is obviously a lot of observational humor. You're taking, you know, here I was in Dublin, I'm in America now what I see is the differences between Ireland and America. I uh, That has been really a lot of, it was very, very funny because I think for somebody that spent a lot of time on both in both countries, you could really see the differences about like it's grand or when you, when you said IRL in real life versus Ireland, uh, I think that that's something that can definitely play into the observational humor as well as I think whether or not you're, Irish or Indian or Polish, we all have that experience of being an immigrant going into a country that you're don't know and you're always comparing it to 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 Ireland. So what kind of reaction have you got from the Irish that are over here in America uh, to your comedy? 
Um, I will just say as well, back as a side note, if anybody wants to do stand-up comedy, it would be a good idea to go to our college because they they teach you to be very critical of your work. So you mm. are not easily offended when it doesn't work. Just as a side note, I think that was really good to learn. And they teach you how to create gallery exhibitions, which actually the same skills work for putting on your own shows when you want to get stage time. But anyway, as a side note, um, what did you say? You said, what did I think of what? So just in terms of... Um... Oh, are Irish people reacting to it? I feel like yeah. Irish people from Ireland um, are very supportive when they see a, in a, a comedian from Ireland because we're all out. We all get it. Uh, they want you to, I hope anyway, they want me to do well. It's been my experience. They've always been very nice to come up to me afterwards and they're going through the same experience. So, Right. And then what is the Irish American reaction to what you've done as well? Because I'm sure that there's a, there's, they see themselves, the Irish see themselves in you I think the Irish Americans, I'm an Irish American, so I kind of I kind of look at it like, yeah, we do that. <laughs> you know, that's my I reaction. I think um, <laughs> the Irish Americans can relate in a certain extent because they'll come up to me afterwards and be like, oh, yeah, my grandmother's like that or my parents are like that or, you know, um, so they, they've kind of seen that and that that has been instilled in them, like this I, this way of the way Irish people are maybe not being super good at talking with their emotions or explaining or communicating their emotions so definitely Irish Americans will have gotten that from their parents or grandparents uh, and when I take the piss out of them um, for most of them when they're at a show they like it they enjoy it they're having like a laugh with it um, I might get the odd comment on Instagram where I feel like they've taken it out of context and maybe they feel very insecure about their Irishness so they're like why is she joking with this guy who said he's <laughs> sixth generation American or, or Irish American and I'm like making a joke with him and be like so you're American but it's just a, like it's just a mess I'm not trying to gatekeep I think it's lovely to see Irish Americans um, and how much they love the culture and um, and if they're doing it in a positive way then that's great you know Um uh, but you know, if you're at a show, you see that too. So, so I think sometimes I might put up a clip and maybe the odd person, but for the most part, like Irish Americans are like, yeah, we do do that. Or yeah, I do have a tattoo of this or, oh my God, I was using Irish spring. I didn't realize it's a German made product, you know? So, uh, <laughs> little things like that. But yeah, I feel like if you're Irish, no matter where you are, if you're Irish in Ireland or you're Irish in America or you're Irish in Australia, the thing about being actually Irish is being able to laugh at yourself. Um, and I think when you're when you're not able to laugh at yourself anymore, you should revoke your <laughs> your your Irish card. That's right. It should be actually be a check mark on the passport, right? Like, can you laugh at yourself? Yes. If not, you're not allowed in. I think that yeah. could be it for sure. Um, I want to sw switch gears because, you know, in some of your clips, you talk also about your dating life and. I was kind of thinking like, this is like the Taylor Swift of comedy, you know, because Taylor Swift <laughs> always kind of, she uses the dating experience she, as she had with such, you know, that's such fodder for her songs. And she's often asked, wow, what is it like when your boyfriend or your lover has heard that after you've moved on or whatever, have you ever had any reaction from, boyfriends or lovers that you've had uh, when they kind of see an experience uh, of what might have gone on in your relationship in your comedy? No, because a lot of people I dated were like, uh, kind of like, um, I don't know what the PC word to use is, because I know we're like, everybody's careful with words now, and you're not meant to say crazy, but they were like mental. <laughs> so I don't know if it's okay to say mental, not like, 
um just like in a very toxic type of way but that was something to do with me where I was very attracted to toxic men so yes I have this well of material of dating toxic men but that just means that all of them are either blocked or they're not they're not really seeing the material and it's in the past so they wouldn't really have any contact with me now um but like I'm trying to think the guys who I did have like a where it didn't it weren't they weren't toxic guys um like I'm trying to think maybe three of them in the past few years when I tried when when I started going when I start, started trying to date nice guys let's say I did this whole thing where I tried to date nice guys because <laughs> I realized I was the problem because I kept choosing like the guy who punched the wall I'm like yeah baby get over here <laughs> so so those guys you know when you break up you block them anyway because it's gone to a certain point where it's so so they wouldn't even hear the material but um the nice guys didn't care, but I wouldn't air their dirty laundry, you know, ones that I stayed um in contact with or who are still following me and that we dated for a short period. They didn't really give me material anyway, for the most part. Or if they heard themselves in a podcast, they were all, they were pretty secure enough to laugh about it. It wasn't um uh because even the stuff that I've said about exes, it's I'm not like saying anything it's things they did you know they can't deny it it's like a guy who checked my pulse he did do that he I was dating him when I talked about that on stage and he was like yeah I did that you know so it's like <laughs> he didn't even realize how crazy it is you know right until he went to your show and saw your act and went wow it's, it's been no been not even then he didn't have any self-awareness then <laughs> he's just like whatever he was like I think you were lying so I did it you know he's still so uh, self-confident in his actions which is yeah probably red flag there you go and we'll be right back after these messages taste is sponsored by careerletters.com we are in an unprecedented post-pandemic economy tens of thousands were laid off in the technology sector unemployment rate is at record lows what to make of these conflicting economic reports? The best defense right now is a good offense, and Career Letters is here to help. Whether you're looking to switch companies, change careers, or find yourself out of a job and need that competitive edge as you look for a new one, Career Letters can help you optimize your resume and professional brand on career sites like LinkedIn. Their career package is $295 and includes an updated resume that punches up keywords that get you noticed by recruiters on the job boards. It also involves formatting the resume to get past the robot eyes of the artificial intelligence AI programs that screen online applicants. Also included is a live 30-minute video chat to review the draft of the resume so that it is ready to upload for both online applications and your LinkedIn profile. More information can be found on careerletters.com. All right, and we're back with another edition of Taste and back for part two of our conversation with Katie Boyle. So Katie, in terms of your writing process, how do you kind of capture those ideas? I, I, I've always admired comedians and I've done some comedy writing and I've done that a comedic play. So I'm pretty obsessed with the timing of comedy and the rhythm of comedy. Um, so how do you first capture an idea and then what do you do to kind of work out that idea before you kind of debut it onto an audience? 
Um, no, it's for me, as soon as I have the idea, I'll put it on stage and just sandwich it in between bits that I know already work. And the because I don't like writing, I, I don't my brain thinks faster than my hand writes. So I don't uh interesting. I don't like it. Yeah, I probably have well, yeah, I have issues. But um I think for me it's better to get up on stage and work it out. And plus, I'm a conversationalist com uh, comedian. You know, I like it to be uh, sound as much as a story or as a conversation as possible. So I'll just go up with the idea and the pressure on stage to make it funny will help will hopefully help me find a punchline. And then after that, I just keep doing it as many times till it sounds as natural as possible. And um, I don't even I honestly can't even tell you what I'm doing to make it funnier. I just try things in the moment, you know, like saying it a certain way or like performing it a certain way. Like sometimes maybe I'll be like just on stage, give it more energy and it's like more of a performance. But um, I don't really know, to be honest, I just do it and I'm just winging it really the whole time. Sometimes I'm like, I don't even know how I did that if that makes sense like I'm just enjoying myself and having fun with it and when it gets a laugh I make a note of it in my head and now yeah. I know that that's the funny part if I feel like so many other comedians have such a better process than me so yeah yeah that's uh it seems like I know it sounds like a cliche but it is like comedy without a net right and it's just you just instinctively know this is funny and is it probably is the brain register for you something like Okay, well, if I, that, I just that made me laugh. So I'm assuming that if I can put it in, I love what you just said, I could sandwich it between things I already know are going to work. So that way, you know, you kind of have a buffer on either side of it, just in case it doesn't, right? I, I, I think that's, that's kind of cool. But then you probably think, okay, well, if this is gonna be funny to me, it's probably gonna be funny to the audience. And then to kind of work that out and take notes on each performance where people would have laughed and where people wouldn't have is that kind of how that is for you um no actually because things that sometimes things that i think are funny are not funny at all so i don't want like i'm not i i'll i'll sandwich things in between two bits and i've just said a really long sentence that people haven't laughed at. and then i know <laughs> that that's not where actually the stuff that for me that is funny is I didn't realize it was funny i was just talking you know i'm very sociable i have a lot of friends i talk to my family a lot and I'd be just telling them a story. I'm not intentionally trying to run a bit, but I'd be just talking about something and they'd be laughing. And then I'd be like, oh God, that's funny. I didn't know that was funny, if that makes sense. Mm. Um, so I, I really, I don't intentionally go, oh, that's a funny line, but I'll have said something like angrily about something or like, because I'd, I'd be quite opinionated. And I'm, you know, I try to read a lot and stuff like that. So so that's not totally uneducated opinions, but uh uh, and then I'll say it and my friends are like that's hilarious because I think they're just kind of like I don't even know how you got to that point if that makes sense so then I'm like oh I guess maybe if they think that's funny I'll make a note of it in my head and then I go on stage but it's not like mo all my best material has really come out of just like talking to people if it was when I was bartending or just met people or talking to friends and family or my boyfriend and then them being like oh that's so funny and then it, it just I just turned it into a bit but I didn't intentionally mean for it to be funny if that makes sense or just another Irish thing when you're talking about really uncomfortable situations or like dark things that are happened to you if you're talking about an abusive boyfriend or abusive parent um Irish people feel very uncomfortable talking about those things so they automatically try to make it funny so that it's more easier for them to tell and it's easier for the other person to laugh which I think or not to laugh to hear because I think 
it comes back down to the thing of Irish people are very hospitable and we would never want to like put our like trauma like you know we're just like oh no it's fine he tried to hit me but he missed you know like silly things like that and then it's like that all of a sudden the person's like oh that's kind of light-hearted but it's when you really listen to it it's like very it's like abusive yeah um but I think that's something that's in Irish people anyway so I kind of have that in me if that makes sense to try to always try to make things funny so that people are comfortable yeah I think it it might be just a cultural thing as well to a certain extent yeah yeah I wrote a column for the Irish voice for 18 years and one of the it was a music column and then when music was kind of slow we'd take half the page and I did this thing called this is your brain on shamrocks which I made into books but anyway sometimes it would literally be funny conversations with my parents who are so funny and they don't even know they're funny there's a lot of Irish people that are like that right and they were they were hilarious that I just almost transcribed sometimes in any given week the entire conversation it just didn't need any work and but the the downside of that was that my mom would start to say something and she'd look over and she goes this isn't going to be in a column is it you know so they they sort of edit themselves around me and they still do because they're like well oh you tell this guy something and by sunday you're going to read about it in the paper i think the difference in this situation is you're saying what they're saying I'm saying what I said does that make sense so mm. if if uh if I if I do a bit and any of my long-term friends who've seen all my comedy you know none of them are in it but are a comedian who wants to be in it you know what I mean mm. like I would never put any of the stuff that uh you know there's nothing that they've said idiotic or whatever um and in like I'm going through all my material nothing that my friends have ever said bar one friend from years ago who I actually changed the whole character and um and she doesn't care because it's totally changed it's, it's now a creation uh, and, an, and a comedian friend who we both have the same joke about each other which we posted together my my uh Jewish friend Tori Piskin but other than that they so they wouldn't edit themselves because it doesn't matter if they edit themselves. I'm not using what they're saying. I'm using sure. what I'm saying. And yeah. so it's more like they're like the first audience, which I don't. The only thing is maybe sometimes people will be like, "Oh my god, that's so funny! Is that a bit? Are you like?" And I'm like, "No." I and I'll just be genuine and be like, "No, I I'm I will use it as a bit now." So it's not like I'm not intentionally using them as uh as a first audience. It just happens a lot of the time happens. where. And then my friends and the people around me are so supportive that they're not like, give, I wouldn't have someone around me who would give me side eye and be like, oh, this unique conversation that you just said, and that laugh should only be for me. You right. know, I, my friends will see it on stage. You know, when I did my special or whatever, they came up to me afterwards and be like, oh my God, it's so funny. I loved when you told me that story. When you, I remember when you were dating him and we were talking about it. You know, they're not like weird about it, which I'm sure some people would be, but that's their own fucking issues and go to therapy because, you know, <laughs> like I would, the same with any, if it was a friend who sang, it was a singer and she was singing, she was talking about something. I'd be like, oh, you should make that into a song. Like that's a very unique experience. I think people would relate to that. So you know it's the same way in that regard but yeah I don't use what what people say or their stories because um I mean you know different with my own family like I've done stuff about my dad and stuff like that but he doesn't care so um yeah and he'll joke he'll joke and be like are you gonna make a joke into this this thing I've done so I guess in that regard but that's more like 
I'm like, no, I've already used all of your past. <laughs> so it's like, I have no worry of like, but yeah, I don't really do anything he says. So I, that was really a long answer. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a, it was an interesting thing with my own, you know, mom and dad and looking at the things that I've written comedically at first, they had a really bad reaction to it. I remember the first Thanksgiving that the first Shamrocks books came out. It was a really, really tough, you know, tough Thanksgiving. And uh, it's hard too because I think when they see themselves, yeah, they they probably just get self conscious when it's they, actually they, like they do. However, what was so interesting was when I went on the book tour for the book, everybody was like, "Oh, nice to meet you. Where's your mother?" And then <laughs> they went to your my mom, and they were like, "Wow, the way he honored you, and the way Aww. he, the way it reminded me of my mother or my grandmother who's no longer Aww. here." So my mom went from really hating my book. To yeah. now she, she buys it as Christmas presents. That's but, so nice. But it, but it wasn't until the audience allowed her. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? No, but that's he, Irish. Give her that permission. I was just going to say that. It's it's so Irish. It's like, so don't be Irish. the neighbors here. You do everything for the neighbors. Don't be, don't be like, you know, oh, you're doing this. What will the neighbors think of me? So I think it's a very like Irish people are always like worried a bit what people, other people think of them. Um, that's why it's really nice coming to America, like especially in New York, because there's a, it's none of that. You could dress like a pigeon and nobody gives a fuck. Yeah, exactly. Um, so it would be very freeing for people from small towns in Ireland. But um, but yeah, once she probably seen that the reaction was good, because she probably didn't know yet are people like if my dad comes to a show and he sees me talking about him like shoot my cat, you'll see that people are laughing in like a fun way. But he's also my dad's like a comedian too. Um, he tells stories. He's always like the storyteller at the party so I probably was safer in that regards with yeah. him I can imagine other parents feeling very nervous like god are they gonna say about that time that I locked them in the room for 12 hours it was a different time <laughs> yeah know? yeah and I, I I wasn't making fun of them when I put these stories up I was just like yeah. this is just honoring them honoring them you know and but it, so nice. but it, it was a journey for them for sure and, yeah and, and you'll appreciate this as a as an Irish person you know the the place where you've made it as a literary person is if the Glucksman Ireland House at NYU asks you to do a guest lecture on writing and they ask me to do it. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is so great. Right. And then they said, well, there's on one condition that you bring your bring mother. Bring your mother. <laughs> and, I, and I call I call my mother. I'm like, hey, um, there's this thing at the Glucksman Ireland House. You, you, we got to go. She's like, oh, that sounds great. She goes but is that a Wednesday? I have my rosary society that night. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. but anyway, so, so also I could imagine her being like, this is very Irish. I can imagine being like, I have my rosary thing on Wednesday night or whatever. And then on Wednesday night, her turning up and you being like, Oh, I was worried about your rosary. And she's like, Oh, I was never not going to come here. That's a very Irish <laughs> thing where they're like, parents put you on an emotional roller coaster. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's and it, and it is good. I mean, I have a written record now. My parents, they're they're aging now, but that that I hope it does honor them and and it it has been pretty amazing. But that is so great about because I think think that is another thing around Irish, especially with the folks in the West, probably in Dublin as well, but sometimes they're just so funny and they don't even know they're funny. It's just for people that try to be funny so hard, it's the effortlessness of Irish yes. humor. That is just incredible. Yes. Isn't it? Honestly, that, that would be my advice to anybody. Um, I was going to ask you. 
<laughs> yeah, that don't advice. try to be funny. Because that's another thing, too, where with me not sitting down and writing, um, because if I were to write, it would sound unnatural for me. Like, I'll write down notes, but I, I can't write how it, it would, you know, because I'm a talker, let's say. Um, but I think that stream of consciousness is usually the funniest, you know, like you're, you're the first thing in your head is the funniest. That's like your natural funny. Um, and then people who try to be funny, it's usually they've thought it in their head a few times. They've missed the beat because the moment is gone. <laughs> um, and then they're just, there's like a bit of an obnoxiousness to it. Like I used to see it when I worked, when I worked at bars all the time, you tr you see the guy who's trying to be funny and it's like, oh, it's like, just don't. It's actually just more attractive if you're just a quiet guy who gives the odd funny line. Yeah. But yeah, I think when you aren't trying to be funny and you just uh, are really like secure in yourself and and just let yourself, you know, say that line when you think it. Usually, that's the funniest line. Instead of, I think sometimes people censor themselves and try to think of a funnier line in their head, and then the moment's gone, and it's it's a bit like ugh. Uh, on the other hand, if you have like really horrible thoughts and you're like a racist or a sexist or a xenophobic or all those obics, you know it, then you fucking censor yourself. Because on the other hand, you have people who who will say something and you're like, was there no filter in that? So yeah. uh, so I, that this advice is only for people who are not going to get in trouble and say the wrong thing. Um, right. And for people who are going to get in trouble, you need to censor yourself more, you know? And I think that's that's actually sometimes I'll see people try to be funny and they'll say something like offensive. And it's like, that's, you know... That's not the that's not the funniest thing you could have said. That's not the smartest thing. That's not the and that and usually the offensive thing. I'm like, yeah, you you thought about that in your head. You chose that, you know. So anyway, so that's kind of advice and kind of non advice at the same time. That's great. So again, we're going to be collabing, as the kids say, um, for this Irish American film fly at the Count Basie Theater in Red Bank, New Jersey, on March 11th. But I also know you have a very busy schedule with podcasting and all things, Katie. Boyle, tell everybody how they can get in touch with you and what you have coming up next over the next few weeks. Great. I am um, I'm at Katie Boyle Comic on everything. And uh, I have my podcast, The Shift Everywhere. It's also on YouTube now. So I'm investing in a studio. So that's kind of cool. So hopefully that will work out. So if you guys want to watch it, it's on YouTube as well, just on Katie Boyle Comic. I'll be headlining in Pennsylvania in uh, on the 18th yeah the 18th so that'll be fun so if there's any irish americans who listen to this who are in pennsylvania can come to new jersey uh come to that as well uh and then there'll be an irish lineup before and then um i'm headlining this saturday i don't know when, when does this come out this is going to come out wednesday okay so if there's any irish or irish americans in houston come out on saturday i'll be headlining at secret group um other than that you know loads of stuff in new york city um uh, just yeah just yeah. oh send me your email on instagram and i'll let you know where i'll be but come to shows especially the irish americans you know you're always you gotta i gotta guilt you now this is the irish guilt you know support your <laughs> support your your heritage and come see an irish woman <laughs> that's great that's great well we look forward to seeing you in red bank on march 11th and on the road elsewhere so katie thank you for the time i really appreciate it great thank you so much bye Be sure to check out The Shift, Katie Boyle's ongoing conversation that's funny and insightful with some great guests. You can get that wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thank you for listening to Taste for another edition. This has been brought to you through a partnership with irishcentral.com 
and produced as always by the smiling voice, my wife, Barbara. I love you, honey. We'll catch you next time.